Welcome to Oikos. Happy Mother's Day. Just turn to someone and just say Happy Mother's Day. It doesn't matter if they're a mother or if they're a brother. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. We either have a mother or you are a mother or you mother other children or you mother adults. You mother. So we want to give thanks for you because this is a good day. This is a good day to be in the Lord's house. As we continue with the Gospel of Mark, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark in this Jesus series, and as we read the Gospel of Mark, it is about Jesus. It's about learning about who He is so that we can become more like Him, so that we can receive that invitation and walk in His ways, say His words, do His works, and leave ours behind. So what has just occurred, we're in around Mark chapter 9. So if you've just joined us, you only have nine chapters to catch up. You can keep on reading. What we're trying to do here at Oikos as a family is read through the Bible. We're doing that through using this Moravian is what it's called text. And it allows you to read a little bit of the Old Testament, some of the New Testament, some of the Psalms. And as we run through this day by day by day, we'll eventually get through the Bible in one year. For our Sunday sermons, what we're doing is we're choosing one of those texts through the week, and then we're engaging in it. So this week, I decided that I would choose out of chapter 9, but I want to give you a little backstory so you know where we're, where we're coming from. So in Mark chapter 9, the transfiguration has just happened. Jesus has invited Peter, James, and John to come with him, his, his top disciples, his leaders, not that they were overseeing the other disciples, but he had invited them in closer because they received the invitation. So he invited them up on the mountain, and there Elijah and Moses appeared as well. And so right there, it was amazing already. And then the voice of God is heard, not just by Peter, James, and John, but right in this mountaintop, Jesus himself hears his father speak to him. This is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. Now, we would probably pass that by very quickly. Um, One of the things we do here at Oikos is when we baptize someone, I remind them that those words that Jesus was told by his father are the same words that are told to you. So we can apply these words to us that we are his dearly beloved daughter or son. And when we live in that identity, people should listen to us. Not because of who we are, but because of who Christ is in us. If you go the opposite way around, it's probably not good for people to listen to you. But this is the pinnacle moment in the Gospel of Mark. So everything's been moving towards this point And now the suffering and death of Jesus will start to occur. So we've seen God open up the heavens and reveal everything about himself to Peter, James, and John so that they can go and tell others who he is. But they need to first listen to him. And the only reason why they listen and hope for that return But just like life, we hear these things from Jesus, and then life keeps on going. 
And so they come down the mountain. They've experienced this whole thing. Peter tries to keep them there. He has this crazy idea of building tents. Jesus says, that's not going to happen. We're going to keep going. So they move down the mountain. And what they run into is chaos. Complete chaos. There's crowds forming. There's arguing happening. The religious leaders are arguing with the disciples. Complete chaos. There's probably more than 100 people there. Chapter 9, verse 14. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of the religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son to you so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. There's arguing, there's yelling. It's kind of like when you go on a vacation in close quarters. And when you return home, you're so excited to be home, and yet your email has like a hundred messages in it of people that need you for something, and your voicemail has a bunch of stuff on there about other people where they need you, and you have to comb through all that stuff and go, how am I really wanting to respond? And a bunch of people are arguing and They're fighting, and maybe it's your own kids. You're trying to get them out of the car, and it's complete chaos on your return. And you've just spent this lovely time relaxing up on the mountain, enjoying the Father, and this is what you return to. This guy who kind of pushes his way through the crowd. He has enough faith to believe that Jesus could do something for him. So more than likely, he did hear that Jesus had healed other people. More than likely, he did hear that perhaps Jesus even had risen people from the dead. And he was putting his hope in this guy that could maybe help his son because his son had been this way for a long time. And I think on Mother's Day, we can, the moms in the room can relate that when your child is hurt, you want to do whatever you can to help them. And so for the dads in the room, this dad, for whatever reason, the mom is out of the picture. And this dad has taken the step to go help his son. Maybe he was sent by the mom, or maybe the mom had died many years ago. And he is a single dad trying to figure this out. But the arguing begins because he goes to the disciples because Jesus isn't there. So he goes to the next best thing, which is, well, you're a disciple, so maybe you can help me. And the disciples evidently either said, well, Jesus is going to be right back. 
Or, we don't do that. Or, I don't know if we're, you know, Peter, James, and John, they're the normal ones that do that, and they went with Jesus, so just wait. The religious leaders were probably saying, if his disciples can't heal your son, then Jesus must be a fraud too. He must not be worth your time. But as they were waiting for Jesus, Jesus appeared. And all he saw was chaos and arguing. And I bet there was a sense of disappointment as he looked at his disciples who he had sent out already to do these very things. Verse 19, Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. His response isn't very nice, and it isn't directed just to the religious leaders. This is directed to the entire crowd. So they brought the boy, but the evil spirit, when, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, breathing with, and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can Just take a moment and think of an image of a young child who had thrown himself into fire several times. Probably not the most beautiful child in the world's eyes. He would have suffered several burns, probably burns on the face, burns on his hands. Just think about a child falling into the fire several times. He would have looked abused and neglected, not wanted in this world. But you see this sense of frustration with Jesus because the disciples saw the same boy who was in pain and they said, we can't help you. We can't do it. They couldn't represent the kingdom because they didn't have faith they really have the authority to do it. They didn't have faith, and because they didn't have faith, they couldn't exercise the power and authority that they had been given by Jesus to do this very thing. But I think we're kind of like the same way. Right? You're faced with a situation, and you go, I'm not the best person for this. Wait for this other person. They're much better. They read their Bible more. They're much better at praying. I don't pray in public. Just think about some of the things that you have going in your mind when you are faced with someone who needs you to represent the kingdom of hope, the kingdom of love, the kingdom of Jesus. And the hesitation that we sometimes have And it comes down to that it's our lack of faith. The good thing is, is you're in the right spot today for the spirit of the living God 
to empower our faithlessness with his faithfulness. So Jesus doesn't send them away. He doesn't say, all these people, I'm tired of you, I'm frustrated with you, so just get out of here. Instead, Jesus' posture turns once again to have compassion because these are faithless people. They need someone in their life, and he knows that they need him. So the man states where his heart is. He says, you know, I believed that you could help him, so I tried to get here with this convulsing boy who looks like he's almost dead anyways. But I brought him through the crowd so he could see you. Now, just picture this guy in this huge crowd. I thought about this as I was reading it. There are probably hundreds of people there, at least a hundred. Probably more like a thousand because the crowds were growing ever more since Jesus had been moving through the countryside. And Jesus spoke to him. He was the one that received recognition this day. Out of all these hundreds of people, and in the crowds, when we saw the crowds approaching Jesus, every crowd had sick and blind and mute people. This was a constant theme. So out of all the sick and the blind and the possessed who came to see Jesus, this guy was chosen. This guy received the word from the Lord. This guy was recognized by Jesus. But even with that, his faith faltered. So he had enough faith to think maybe Jesus could heal him. But then he says, well, if you can. If you can. I think that we sometimes say prayers like that too. We say, Jesus, help me if you can. Help me out of this situation if you can. We have enough faith to approach him. We're just not sure if he's really going to do anything. And we fall in the same situation as this man who wants his boy to be healed. We forget who Jesus is. We forget that he's given us Some of us have received this, an incredible gift just at the right time. Who's received an incredible gift just at the right time that you can't explain? Just look around at those hands. Do you see how God is moving just in our small little community? People have received a gift just at the right time. We forget that he's healed our body. And it was totally unexplained. Who's received that gift? Look at those hands. Seriously, I want you guys to look at these hands. Keep those hands up high. These are testimonies of what God is doing, but we forget them. Not only do we, you can put your hand down, kid. Not only do we forget about what God has done for others, but who's forgotten what he's done for you? Now, this is, a, this is a full-on, you better raise your hand. Because I haven't had conversations with all of you, but I know, 
that I have this conversation where I'm reminding you, remember what God did? Remember that? In that hard time? We forget how he's protected us on the freeway. I've got several stories where I saw full-on protection, and it was my fault that he still protected me. (laughs) Totally my fault. We forget who Jesus is and what he says about us. We forget that he's God's son who willingly became flesh for us. Not for anybody else, but for us, for each of us. For Daniel, for Penny, for Sylvia, for Dana, for each of us. He became flesh. Because he thought that we, each of us, every individual in this house and everyone who follows Jesus and the entire world would have the opportunity that Jesus said, I think you're worth saving. I don't care about your past, who your mom is, who your dad is. I don't care about what kind of family you come from, what kind of job you have. You're worth it. We forget that we really are sons and daughters, that we've been named sons and daughters in his kingdom. And that he's handed out the representation of that kingdom to us. That he wants us to represent him by bringing hope to people. That when someone's hurt and sick, He's called us to lay our hands upon them and pray with faith that they'd be healed. Not to bring us glory, but to show them His glory. To show them who Jesus is. We forget that. We forget that Jesus says in John chapter 14, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Jesus answers this man who forgot who he was, and he just gently reminds him. In verse 23 in Mark chapter 9, What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. I really think we just take these words of Jesus, and we put them in the that's nice category. Isn't that nice? We kind of put it over here. Isn't that nice? I don't believe it, but isn't that nice? Isn't Jesus nice? Who thinks Jesus is nice? He's a nice guy, right? He says anything is possible if a person believes. Isn't that nice? But Jesus was wanting this man to come back and come closer to him and understand who he really is. That he's not just a nice guy, he's the son of God. The father instantly cried out, I do believe. 
but help me overcome my unbelief. I think this is the response for all of us today. This is, if you don't have something to pray today, then pray this. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, but help me, Jesus, overcome my unbelief. My unbelief that you can restore my health. If you're struggling with your health right now, and you've prayed, but you go, well, isn't that nice? Jesus says that if I pray something, it may happen, but I don't know. Then stop, and with that prayer that doesn't make sense, put this prayer on it. Jesus, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief that you actually care enough to heal me or heal my mother or heal my father. And if it doesn't happen here and now, I know that you have a promise given to them that they'll be fully restored when you come again. But I'm praying for it to happen now so it can bring glory to our Father of who He is and how He loves. Jesus, help me overcome my unbelief that maybe you can help me love my wife again. You know those people that have that marriage where it's struggling? And they say, I just don't think I love her anymore. Maybe we need to be praying that the Spirit would engage that couple with love once again. And we need to believe that Jesus can do it. Help me up. Overcome my unbelief that you can help me forgive those who have hurt me. Anybody harboring some evil discontent against someone? Any problems? Thanks for being honest. One honest person in church today. Adrian? Great. Those are things we can ask the Lord. Help me to overcome my unbelief that you can restore me. You can restore my identity enough as a son that I don't need approval from anybody else. I don't have to seek approval from that person that doesn't like me. I don't have to try to make them like me. I just need to love them. It doesn't matter if they ever like me. Because that's not what Jesus said. Love so people like you. He said, love your enemy. And if they slap you, turn your other cheek. Because Jesus said, you're going to be different. You're going to represent who I am, not who you tend to be. Help me overcome my unbelief that you can bring peace to whatever chaos I find myself in. So maybe you are in a messed up relationship right now, and it is complete chaos. Or maybe your children are acting totally chaotic and not small children. I'm talking about adult children. Maybe you need Jesus to bring peace in your chaos. So help me overcome my unbelief. Lord, help me overcome my unbelief as you secure my identity in you. 
help me overcome my unbelief as you continue to heal me from those persistent temptations. Anybody have temptations that just keep on coming around? They just keep on coming around, right? Those deal with unbelief. A temptation is Satan trying to get you to not believe in the one who gives us everything. So that persistent temptation, that is your sinful self walking along with Satan. Believing that in that temptation, you will receive more than if you believe in the Son of God, whose name is Jesus. That's what it is. And he's calling us to walk out of that and believe, even though you think you've got everything here, you've got more here. So trade it in. Trade in this for me. Verse 25 in chapter 9, when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into a violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. See, we're like the crowd also, aren't we? Jesus is working in our life, and something happens that doesn't go according to our plan of how he should help us, and we go to the worst-case scenario. Jesus just killed him. Way to help him, Jesus. Jesus. Did you see Jesus kill that kid? Jesus killed the kid. That's what the crowd was doing. They went from totally astonished and awestruck by Jesus that they came running to him to see what he was going to do with this little boy. And like that, they turned and was like, he killed the kid. Did you see it? He killed him. We do the same thing when we go, Lord, help me in my marriage. And then you have a fight and you're like, well, Jesus, you didn't help me. He just made us get a divorce. Just like that. Jesus is working. But he's asking us to pray, help me to endure in faith. So the first thing, help me to overcome my unbelief. And now help me to endure in faith. That in the moment that Jesus is working, that we won't become unbelievers, that he's, he's not doing anything. But he's always doing something, even if we don't understand it. Verse 28, afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer and fasting. That's the kind of rebuke that we don't like to get. Because it's not yelling. It's not in your face. It's just this side comment that comes your way. That 
Spirit can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. So what does this mean? It means that they weren't doing that. It means that they were not doing that. The one simple thing that Jesus has asked us to do is to pray. He showed his disciples this over and over and over again, that he only does what he sees the Father doing. So think about in your own life, how many times have you neglected prayer when you're faced with a situation? They needed to pray and fast, but those were the things that they weren't doing. So as a church, we cannot confront chaos. We cannot confront evil. We cannot confront Satan. We cannot confront those temptations without prayer. It starts with listening to him. Prayer is not just saying, Jesus, I want you to do this. Prayer is moving towards the Father and listening to what Jesus says. Prayer means that we, we talk, but we listen more. So that he leads us in his ways and his works and his words. It's very simple. But as families, I want us to remember that we say this prayer as well. Jesus, help us to not forget to pray. Isn't that a simple message? But if you're like me, that's probably one of the things that you forget to do. In the middle of chaos, you forget that Jesus has said, in my name, I'm there. When two or three are gathered, I'm there. I am with you to the very end of the age. The Father says, this is my son. Listen to him. If we want to see life transformation in those that we love, if we want to see life transformation in our own lives, we can't neglect the things that Jesus taught his disciples to do. Fast and pray. We think it's too simple, but that's exactly what Jesus is asking us to do. Fast and pray. Believe. And when we falter, Jesus, help us to overcome our unbelief. It's in his name. Amen.